record here and then do this little intro and then we'll do my little thing. Okay. Morning, everyone. This is the Clear to Close podcast. My name is Ryan Bolton with Synergy One Lending. I'm a local mortgage expert. And today with me, I've got Carl Wright with R1 Appraisal. So we got a, a live bona fide appraiser. He's not just hiding behind his desk somewhere. He's actually out here. Uh, but I've worked with Carl for many, many years. One of the more respected appraisers here in Southern Utah. Uh, do you service any other area than Southern Utah or do you do? Yeah, we do actually. We've, uh, um, we've grown our business to, uh, we, we, we basically cover all of Utah. We've got an office in, uh, uh, in Northern Utah. Uh, I've got a few appraisers up there. Um, we opened up the Phoenix market area a couple of years, well, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and we also service the Las Vegas and Mesquite areas. And so, how, so how long have you been an appraiser? I've been in, in the industry uh, 18 years now. Hmm. It's been a while. So it's, uh, it's been really fun. We've seen the ups and the downs and, and now, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to go back into a down economy. Okay. I'm lying. It's not very fun, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we've been around for 18 years. That's so. amazing. Yeah, I'm, I moved here in 05. I think I met you within days, maybe really? of moving yeah, here. It was. it was really, really it soon. Really was. And I've always been, it's amazing watching your growth and team and the people you brought on Nick and some of the other people on your team. It's been really, it's really cool to watch it grow. Yeah. So Nick, Nick Lyman is my business partner. We, we started our one appraisals together. In fact, we, uh, we moved down here from Salt Lake. I started my, my, uh, uh, our career in Salt Lake moved down here in 06, just, mm. just after you in, in September of 2006. And you were one of the key people that we, we connected with and got our foot in the door with just enough people to get us through when the market started crashing in the third quarter of 2007. And, uh, so we left the company that we were with, uh, in, in, and started R1 appraisals in March of 2008. And I think it's a really cool story. Uh, R1. Kind of tell me about yeah. where you came up with that name. I thought it had to do like a function key or something like you know, R1 <laughs> appraisal, but it's actually yeah. kind of a cool story. Yeah. So so Nick Nick Lyman and I, um, we found out that our great, great grandparents, our, our great, great grandfathers were missionary companions. Is that crazy? <laughs> and uh, they, they actually helped settle the San Bernardino Valley. And so we had the, kind of this tie to our, to our roots. And uh, I was going through my grandpa, uh, this old journal of my grandpa. Foss, and I found out that his b cattle brand was R1. Hmm. And uh, I was like, gosh, I kind of like that a lot. And uh, I talked to Nick about it. I was like, dude, what if we, what if we, uh, uh, you know, with our roots and our heritage and things like that, what if we use my grandpa's cattle brand as our logo, R1 appraisals? It also has a double meaning. R1 zoning is residential uh, one acre zoning. And so it, it kind of has a double meaning that, that uh, we're residential appraisers. We don't do any commercial. We're strictly residential. And uh, so it kind of had that double meaning. So that, that's where we came up with the name R1 appraisals. A lot of people are like, A1 or what? You know, yeah. but no, it's, huh. it's yeah. R1 appraisals. And that's, that's where it comes from. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the market. you you got your hands in this thing and you've got your comps, you're seeing values. And, and I've always get the CMAs from a prey or from real estate agents and, and different ways of fig figuring out value, whether that's after repair value or current value and cost approach, all the things go into appraiser kind of, what are you feeling the market's doing? Like, what are you seeing on the ground? Yeah. Thank you. That's a, that's a great question. I get that question almost every day. And, uh, we're a little bit different than, than real estate agents, um, where real estate agents are, they'll get one or two houses that they'll do a CMA on a month, you know, try to pricing things. And or, CMA is certified uh, market analysis. That's what, correct. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Correct. And so they, whatever they're, certified they're looking means at, they're looking at the market kind of, uh, uh more, uh, not as, 
in depth as, as an appraiser is. Uh, I look, I do a CMA or I pull comps on houses three or four times a day. Hmm. And so, you know, every time I do an appraisal, I'm looking at the market, I'm looking at the data, I'm looking, is it going up? Is it going down? I'm looking at different price points and different segments of the market, uh, from, from the affordable housing under 500,000 from, uh, and then, you know, kind of the middle range from 500,000 to 1.2 million is kind of the middle range right now. And then anything above that, we consider it a jumbo. Um, so we're looking at the different segments of the market, the different neighborhoods is, are, you know, cause there's so many factors that go into, is the market going up or going down? So if I were to throw a blanket statement over, um, St. George area, we saw tremendous amount of growth. As everybody knows, we saw, we saw values climb, uh, COVID era from 2020 to 2022. And then really it was the spring of 2022 when things started to cool down. And, and in fact, we can pinpoint that day. It was mm-hmm. April, um, the day they raised the rates. Mm. It was, uh, it was like 17th. 17th. Yeah. Oh, hey. April 17th. <laughs> so April 17th, the market started to cool down and it almost happened overnight. Mm. And, um, so what, what areas are you seeing the biggest cool? You get kind of that range yeah. zero to five, five to one. What are you seeing as the biggest cooling? The biggest cooling is the, is the, is the jumbo market anything over a million dollars. I mean, I remember in the day when, when we would have like in the greater St. George area, eight houses that have sold over a million dollars. Now, I mean, we have over 200 houses that have sold this year over a million dollars. And so that market is cooling down. Um, probably the the fastest the the affordable housing under 500,000 is still pretty pretty stable it, that's it really, really what i'm telling down. people is there's more people that can afford that home so there's more buyers there's more buyers and right. before we had too many too many buyers for not enough homes now we have more homes but still and the buyers have slowed but it seems to be moving at about the same percentage rate yeah but yes there's less there's less home or there's more homes to choose from. There is less buyers, but there's still there's st- the, more the, buyers than homes. There's still exactly. And so yep. supply and demand. So you, you've got a, a lot of demand for that type of housing. Still people, I, I had a great conversation with a friend the other day and he said, you know, the, the indicator is, are people moving here or people are people moving away mm. from here? And, and people are always going to want to live in St. George. It's just, that's, we just have a great, a great area. This is a fantastic place, and and we're just not a secret anymore. And, yeah. and you know, to have the Iron Man not to not to shift gears, but to have the Iron Man three times in the last thirteen months, and and, and we're we're getting some not just national recognition but global recognition that yep. this is a really great place to live. Yeah, the Senior Games is a really big. It's been growing and growing and growing. The marathon here is very popular, and then you throw in the Iron Man with the COVID. Because they had to make up, they had the Hawaii one that just kept getting postponed. Right. So they said, hey, bring it here. We right. want it. We embrace it. The community right. at large embraces it. Now, you always see the people that kind of poo-poo it or hate the restaurants right. being too busy or the roads being closed. And I'm amazed when I look at those people and say, it's a day, it's two. The people it brings in, the energy it brings in, the stories right. of just human perseverance. I mean, these Ironmans are no joke, man. It's amazing. They, uh, wow. It's and, amazing. I mean, a marathon alone is, is enough, but they throw a marathon in with a bike race and a swim. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. And but. not just a, a hundred mile bike race. Like it's not, it's no joke. Those guys are amazing. So. Yeah. So I just, the stories that come out of that, I think are just well worth it. And like you said, we're discovered. Yeah. St. George has everything but the ocean. As far as I'm concerned, almost every climate uh, within two hours of this place, you can find just about every climate on the planet. And it's beautiful. It is here. I love St. George so much because you're in the painting more than maybe other desert type, you know, dry states is what we like to call them. Yeah. Like Phoenix is great. I like, I've, but it's so much more deserty, brown, kind of dead feeling. Flat. Here, just feel flat. 
here just feels like you're in the painting more. The yeah. reds and the yeah. whites and the greens. I just love, love Southern Utah. Yeah, I do, I do too. So, uh, so people are always going to be moving here. So that's going to continue to drive values. And, and, and we're not going to see, it, this is my opinion, if I have a crystal ball, my opinion is that we're not going to, the bottom's not going to fall out like it did in 2008. Um, everybody who had a, a you know, um, everybody who could did refinance and they're in a two to 3%, maybe 4% interest rate. And so with interest rates going up, people are, are in a good spot. Equity is still good. So people aren't going to give back their homes to the bank like they did in 2008, 2009, 2010, because they, they have equity and they're not in an adjustable rate mortgage. They're not the, 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 the trepidation of like, is my mortgage going to go up? It's not there because they're not in just they're in a fixed rate at three and a half, four percent, and they're going to stay there. They're going to ride this thing out. So we're not going to see all of the foreclosures that we did. We'll see a few, but we're not going to see the mass amount of foreclosures that happened in two thousand eight through two thousand eleven. And and so I, you know, my my hope is that even with interest rates going up. Right now, interest rates are are high and values are high. Uh, when once. Once values come down to the point where the, you know, I, I think the, uh, you would know this better than I, Ryan, but the, the average uh, home buyer can afford about between $2,000 and $2,500 a month house payment. And am I correct? Yeah, I would say, would say good that. average. Yep. So, so with interest rates being at 7%, values have to come down to the point where people can afford that $2,000 to $2,500 house payment until that happens we're going to continue to see values fall. So I think that's going to be the indicator of hmm. what can I afford? What, 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 what price point can I afford at 7% interest rate? That's where the values are going to fall. Yeah. If, if, if that makes sense. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about the appraisal process. Mm -hmm. So, um, how often do you get people that just call you to do an appraisal, the seller or the buyer versus coming through like a mortgage company, uh, whether it's a cash deal or a finance deal, like how does the process work when you engage with a, a client? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's, there's a few different ways. I mean, if anytime you're getting a mortgage or, or from a bank um, or getting a home equity line of credit from a credit union or a bank, um, it has to come through the bank. Back when the crash happened, the finger was in 2008, the finger was pointed at appraisers a lot of the time because they felt like there was uh, some buddy-buddy, uh, you know, like, hey, I need this value to come in at this and I'll give you more work type of thing. And so uh, the federal government didn't like that. So they came out with this thing called the Frank Dodd Act. It, it later changed its name. But the, the concept was we're going to have a third party order the appraisals. The, the appraisal. So they, they came up with this, this term called an appraisal management company. So when you get a when you get an appraisal, if you come to Ryan to get a to get a mortgage, Ryan then has to send the appraisal to um, appraisal management company, who then contacts us. So sometimes people will get ahead of the cart. They're trying to get they're trying to speed up the process, and they'll call me to get an appraisal, and I'll, I'll ask the the I specifically ask, How are you working with a what's the purpose of this appraisal? Well, I'm getting a mortgage. Well, then it needs to come from the mortgage company or the appraisal management company. So you'd be spending you'd have to get two appraisals. So we don't want you to do that. So talk to your mortgage guy, make sure you understand he's going to order the appraisal. Then they, you pay him, then he'll pay us. So that's, that's, I, I get that not very often, but you know, probably once or twice a month, um, mm. is all. And it's something where I cannot direct the appraiser to Carl. Now he's on my panel and with the management company, but they randomly assign it based on price. So they kind of bid it out and say, okay, here's what we're willing to pay for this appraisal. And you guys say yes or no. And then here's the time frame we need it in, yes or no. 
And if everybody says no and just says, no, we can't do it for that because of whatever, then they have to go out and bid it for more. And Correct. so there's this process, but I don't know who the appraisal is until the report comes in my office. Correct. Then we can look at it and say, Carl, you know, why did you adjust it this much? Or why'd you miss this comp? Which never happens. I don't think you've ever missed a comp in your entire <laughs> oh, career. You. I'm sure. I'm sure I have, but thank you. <laughs> but it's something where, yeah, I find that I get appraisals that come in that somebody's ordered, whether it was maybe an old deal that fell through, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a, a, buy, a seller ordered one just to kind of get an idea where they're going to set their market at. And we can't use it. Or very rarely can we use it. Not only because the date's different, you know, it was done maybe 30 days ago or however long ago, and we need to do a new appraisal through that system. So be aware of that. Don't order your own appraisal. Make sure it's done through the channels that's done. Just make sure it is a viable report. Yeah. And that's licensed. You really want to make sure the people are licensed and bonded and all those things. The other thing, though, especially with values, um, I'll just add a plug of, of another product that we offer as appraisers. You can order your own appraisal, but you... Um, to determine if you can, hmm. you know, oh, okay. so we actually have a product that, uh, for mortgage companies or for, for loan officers and for people who want to refinance this, this works a lot in the, the reverse mortgage business right now where, uh, we need to know what they need to know what the value is in order to proceed. Hmm. So we'll do a desktop valuation. Um, it's a, it, it's a, we won't come out to the property. We'll do a desktop valuation. It's a, it's kind of a, uh, for lack of, it's a dumbed down appraisal. We won't come to the property. We'll, we'll interview you on the phone. We'll get, we'll, we'll pull the county data. We'll gather as much information as we can that's online and give you a range of value and say like, look, we, we feel like your house will be worth, you know, somewhere between uh, 500 and 600,000, depending on the condition, depending on uh, which comparables are available at the time that you do this. But, you know, we kind of give a caveat, but it gives them, are we in this range? Can we make this work versus, you know, and, and it doesn't cost you as much as a regular appraisal. You're going to spend $600 on a, on an appraisal that you order from a mortgage company and you'd spend about 200 or $300 to do a desktop valuation with us. That way you can see, yeah, we can do this or no, we can't. It mm. kind of saves some time up front. Mm. Um, but it, that is a product that we offer for, for people that, so you can order the appraisal before, but if you're actually going to go through with the mortgage and, and get a refinance or, or purchase, you've got to go through the mortgage company. Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? Totally. And like I said, you have to put some disclaimers because you haven't been out to see quality construction. Correct. Maybe square footage can be a little off with Correct. the county, mm-hmm. especially if it's way off. If they if like a previous owner built onto the house and did get it permitted, you know, you right. see that a lot of times where they tell you it's 3,400 square feet, but the county says it's three. You're like, okay, something changed. Something's different. They enclosed a patio or they changed right. something or added square footage. Right. Another big one is finished basements. So talk about that a little bit. I've had a lot of people say, I want to do some home improvements. Where's the best place to put it? Yeah. It seems like the basement is one that can be misunderstood on how that really helps the value of the home. Yeah. So, um, we've always, we, we, uh, I was when I when I got into the appraisal industry, my my trainer was was great, and he, t- he trained me on how to measure a measure a house based on ANSI standard, which is a a, a standard way of measuring a property. Well, <clears throat> Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they just adopted this uh, in the spring, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and uh, and so we've always been measuring the properties this way, but some appraisers didn't, and so they've standardized the way of measuring a property, and 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 very and and standardized the way of identifying 
how, uh, what's above grade and what's below grade hmm. and how to value them. And, and then you look at the market data and say like, okay, this is above grade, this is below grade. How does the market respond to below grade square footage or basement square footage? So, um, and here in St. George, it seems like there's a lot of walkout basements, which can be, correct. there's not really true basements in St. George very much. Correct. It's fully enclosed basements. Almost all of them are some sort of slope right. walkout basement, which right. got, it's got to be tricky when you're kind of counting that type of below grade. It is. Uh, but Fannie Mae states, or excuse me, um, yeah, Fannie Mae states that any, if any portion of the square footage is below grade, it's considered basement. Hmm. So even if you have three sides of your house and one side built into a hill and it's below grade, it's still considered hmm. a basement. Hmm. And so- now I always um, heard, does that have to do with the, like whether it's a window well, you know, I've heard that versus being just a flush mounted window that could change whether it's below grade. But you're saying if any part of if that- any portion is below okay. grade, it's considered basement. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. See? So, but, <laughs> but, but some of it is like if, you know, if the market accepts that, like there's some houses over in like Stone Point or a Contilado over in, uh, uh, over in the Red Cliffs area that are a, a reverse walkout. So like you, you pull in to the garage and then the back of the house is built into the hillside and then everything else is above grade. So it's kind of a reverse walkout. The market use looks at that from the, from the front, it looks like a two story, but from the back, it's a rambler hmm. with a basement. So it's, you, you, but anyways, Below grade square footage usually does not get as much value as above grade square footage. So it's just something to be aware of. A lot of people. And, and is it like, really just because it's not worth as much or is it a code type thing where it just doesn't no, have to be built? It's just and, not worth as much. People mm. just don't pay as much for a walk mm. or for a, for a basement. So it's more like, market driven than yeah. really any kind of code enforcement exactly. or something it's, like that. It's not, it's not that, uh, it, it's just the way the market is. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. You can have a 4,000 square foot two story that'll be worth, you know, $1.5 million and you can have a, a 4,000 square foot uh, Rambler with a basement, 2,000 two on two. the main yep. and 2,000 in the basement, and it may be worth a million. Like it's, it's, it's really, but that's what the market pays. That's just, this is how the market responds to it. They just, it's, it's more grandioso to have the two story versus the, 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 but for me, I, I would prefer to have a basement because it's cooler in the summer. It stays warm in the winter, less it's, it's more energy efficient, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of the reason here in St. George is that it's very difficult to, um, to dig a basement here in St. George. Yeah. And so, and there's not a lot of companies that will, uh, that will pour the foundation here in St. George. So the cost is very, it, it, it's, it's very high to, 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 to actually do it, uh, to, to build a basement, but you just don't get the return on the value. Yeah. So. And something where you do have a lot more retirees, you have a lot more people that are mm -hmm. bringing their income with them. They're retiring to Southern Utah. They don't, they don't want the stairs, right? They really want it to be slab on grade. Uh, and like you said, the soils can be a little bit different. It's amazing when you just go deep enough to do the basement, you start running into soil issues right. a lot quicker. And, and, and we have a lot of these hills. Like I said, you're more in the painting here in Southern Utah. So there's a lot more plateaus and little mm -hmm. areas to where people have to build on the hills, which is, makes these walkout basements seem to be a lot more uh, right. popular. Plus, and, the cost of the land is so much, you got to get a little more square footage out of it. So then you do have to start looking at how do we get more dollar per square foot out of the cost of the land and the cost to build on that piece of property. You've got to build a bigger house. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, when you're looking at houses, you just have to make sure that you're 
you're uh, comparing apples to apples. So if your neighbor across the street sold their house, it's only 2,000 square feet, and yours is 4,000 square feet with a basement, you can't take their cost per square foot and say like, okay, they sold theirs for $400 a square foot, so mine's going to be worth double that. Like that doesn't always work. That doesn't translate very well. Yeah, so. because you're basically, you're, yeah, you might be on that, that top square foot, that first 2,000, but that bottom 2,000 that you have is going to be a different it's dollar a different per square dollar. foot. Exactly. Now let's talk, uh, that's something else I want to talk about. So when you're looking at a home that's, um, do you, you get the contract, so you can kind of see what the price is, how far away from that home are you allowed to go? What's some of the rules as far as yeah. distance and age to kind of try to narrow down? Because no house is exactly the same. Right. So you have to bracket it out and figure out, okay, here's the adjustments I make for view or size or quality, that type of thing. But how far out can you go and how old can the comps be? That's a great question. Um, you know, they've Fannie Mae's loosened the restrictions a lot. Back 10 years, 20, 20 years ago, they said one mile. You can't go out one mile and no longer, no, uh, can't be more uh, dated than six months. So they kept it really tight. Now, now they've loosened their restrictions. As long as you're going, as long as you're comparing apples to apples, there are really no restrictions on where you can go as long as it's truly comparable. So like, for example, if we've got a walkout basement or a house over in Tonaquint down by Southgate, right? Um, and there's nothing very similar like it uh, right there in that subdivision that has sold recently. I might go all the way up to Castle Rock, which is up by Entrada. Uh, it's got both don't uh, both are um, elevated views, walkout basements. They neither of them are located in a PUD or an HOA. They don't have HOA fees, but both provide a, a good elevated view of the valley. So I might go, you know, over three miles for a comparable. Um, that so so there really are no restrictions, but that's general rule of thumb. You want to stay within your subdivision first. And then if there's nothing comparable, then you go to com the competing subdivisions within the market area. And then do you ever run into issues where you're jumping over like a freeway system or jumping over a school? Is there something where you basically say, okay, I'm not going to go you know, that direction. I have to make sure I go that is just more making sure that you know the area, know which subdivisions are similar as far as, like you said, view, quality, right. construction, that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, a lot of it is, I mean, if, if the, if the, um, if values are considerably different on one side of the freeway versus the other, you obviously don't want to jump, jump freeways. But here in St. George, it's, it's pretty common to do that. But if you're in, in the Phoenix metro area, values can change dramatically from one side of the freeway to the other. And, and so, and, and that just, just depends on a, a lot of variables, right? Uh, when, when that, when the subdivision was construction, maybe the houses across the, the freeway were, were built in, in the 1990s and the, uh, on the other side of the freeway, they were built in 1950. So you can't really mm -hmm. jump be just because of there's, there's many, many reasons, but the, the, basic, the basic principle of appraisals is, uh, just like real estate location, location, location. You want to stay within the same location as the subject, uh, where your house is located. You want to have comparable properties right there within the subdivision. And then if there's not, then you can, then, then there's are some rules that you follow to go outside the subdivision, but you really have to stay within your subdivision first. That's great. I, yeah. I thought this was a lot of fun. We got a little bit of time left. So I thought let's do just kind of one maybe horror story or one big don't do or something that oh, you see man. people do is there it just kind of a or funny story just kind of let's let's leave it off on just kind of a funny note here or yeah. just a scary note okay well <laughs> since halloween was was yesterday and it's my favorite well i shouldn't say my it's my second favorite christmas is my favorite holiday but halloween is my second favorite holiday i'll leave you with a horror story okay, okay? <laughs> so um 
this year, at the beginning of this year, this, this, this happened here in Washington County. I won't tell you where there was a, uh, there was a, I, I got called by this guy, um, from out of state, his mother had passed away and, um, they needed the house appraised for estate purposes. Mm. He had called me directly. And, and so they, they needed some estate planning and, um, he gave me the number to the neighbor. And, uh, so I, I met the neighbor out there and, and, I'm, and, and this is just an old dilapidated house. I mean, it was, it was, it was a bad house. And before we went in, the neighbor said, do you know the history of this house? I said, no, tell me, tell me a little bit about it. He's like, well, she was an elderly woman. She had some mental, mental health issues. She, she loved dogs and she had about eight big dogs, like, like, um, German shepherd style, big dogs living in the house. And they, excuse me, they loved, uh, they loved her. She took care of them. Uh, and she, um, uh, but the, the yard was just overrun with weeds. You could tell there was a lot of deferred maintenance in this house. So he said, before we go in, I just want you to know, like she let the dogs roam freely in the house. So there's, there's a lot of dog, you know, (laughs) poo, poo and all of this stuff. And, and she was, she had some mental health issues. And so there was just, I mean, she was a hoarder. So there was stuff everywhere. I mean, I've, this was, this was probably top five of the dirtiest houses I've ever been in. And so we're, we're walking through the house and, and he's like, I have to stop you before you go into this bedroom. And I said, okay. She, he said, well, when, when this woman passed away, she lived by herself and she didn't, uh, and, and nobody knew that she had passed away. Oh no. And oh, no. so the, um, it was, it was a, a week or two that she had been passed. She had, she had died and she had these eight big dogs that lived in the house with her. Oh. And so he said they, they were concerned that their owner was not waking up. And so they started to try to wake her up and, um, you know, and they started with the soft tissues and, um, eventually got hungry enough that they wow. ended up, they ended up, yeah, eating, wow. eating their owner. Wow. Isn't that terrible? Oh. So there's, there's your Halloween story for you. I remember hearing one where a guy had a bunch of these exotic pets, you know, had like spiders and snakes and he'd always pull them out of the cages and eventually one of them bit him, bit him. and killed him. Oh my gosh. And same thing days later and all the, you know, he'd let a bunch of them out and, was just, and he did it a, a, apparently way too often and a snake had finally just decided to bite him, you know, and, and it was weeks before anybody oh found out gosh. and all these, oh man, I can't just imagine. But here in even Washington County. It was, yeah, it was, that was, that's probably the most wild story and it happened this year. And just this year. Just this wow. year. Wow. Wow. It, it's kind of funny in our, in our office, we have this wall of shame <laughs> of all of the crazy things we've seen. I mean, we've seen some bizarre things, uh, <laughs> in our appraisal career from, I mean, this was the, this was the scariest and most like. Uh, horrific, yeah, horrific, just, just terrible things. But we see, now, we see would the seller have to disclose, things. I guess, that that happened, I guess, because no. once they get it all cleaned up and once all that you get kind it of... all cleaned up, you don't have to disclose that. I, I've talked to a couple of agents and I talked to the board um, and, and you don't have to disclose that if somebody dies in the house. I mean, uh, there may be some, a stigma attached to that house, uh, depending on if, if the story gets out, if, if, if neighbors start to talk about it and, and there may be a, a stigma attached to that house, but, but no, you don't have to disclose that somebody died. I mean, people die in houses all the time. Right. True. And so, but the way that she died was pretty, I mean, she didn't die from that. She died from something from else, but something yeah, else, but, just but, the, but yeah, and they're, and they're, they're animals. That's what they're going to do. They're not right. just going to 
you know, I don't know a single dog that's just going to starve, right. you know, they're gonna, and they're usually going to go after the easiest food first before they go right. after each other. And, but. and and from what the the neighbor said, he's, he's like, they started just, you know, trying to wake her up is really what they started doing. And then they eventually just got hungry. Yeah, the, inst- the instincts yeah. took over and yeah, that was instincts, it. Yeah. So do you know if the home over sell? Did they get it all cleaned up and fixed or did the kids um, keep I, I it? Don't or? I don't know. I don't know. So it's uh yeah, still, I, I run across a lot of that where I help people that have a family member pass away and there's four kids that one wants to own it or turn in a rental or fix yeah. and flip it or that type of yeah. stuff. And there's always, you know, out of the, there's always four kids. It seems like there's four or five kids Two want their money right now. One doesn't care. And one of them just wants the house, you know, yeah. wants the house. So it's always, it's really an interesting dynamic when you start dealing with, with yeah. estate planning. And that's, we do a lot of estate planning. So anytime you run across that or anybody of your listeners run across that, you need, uh, you need help. It's always, always wise to get a third party opinion. That's unbiased. We'll give you what the value should be. A lot of attorneys will need the date as of passing. Hmm. And so we do retrospective appraisals and, 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 uh, a lot of estate planning. Those, that's actually my favorite kind of work. I enjoy that kind of work of working with the families and working working with, with people. Uh, and how often do you deal with like divorce situations where you've got, yeah, you deal with, yeah, we do that as well. That's so. probably the thing that's unfortunately is the market starts to shift and recession talks. And it seems like divorces are going to kick up a little bit. I have a lot of real estate or, uh, uh, attorneys that send me business too, because the spouse gets awarded the home, they have to right. refinance it or cash right. out equity or stuff like that as well. Yep. yep. We do, we do all of that type of work. A, a lot of, uh, for, for your real estate listeners, uh, real estate, uh, type people. We do a lot of pre-listing appraisals for them, uh, on the, some of their tougher situations. And we also do training for, for real estate agents on how to, how to produce a better CMA. We feel like we have some of the tools and some uh, appraisers and real estate agents don't speak the same language, even though that we're in the same industry. And so we, we provide some training to, for real estate agents. So if anybody's, if any of your real estate uh, people are out there interested in that, we're going to, we're going to be doing a class here in Washington County pretty soon. That's, uh, uh, just to help, uh, real estate agents get on top of their game and be on top of their game. Yeah. I think that it's, that CMA is really important and you don't want to set the expectation with your seller way too off for what the market's actually going to do. And you don't want to set yourself up for failure the other way around by having it worth way less and scare off a potential seller by, by them thinking it's worth, you know, sellers think it's worth way more and way less in any given market. But generally, you don't want to lose that listing too by also being too conservative. Right. But I would say most of the time I see them coming too high. I see a lot of the real estate agents, especially they're right pulling, now. especially right now, they're pulling listings that are out there and not what's actually sold, what's actually closed. Yeah. And what did it actually sell for? Sure, it was listed at four. Did it sell for four? Mm-hmm. Was there concessions? Was there buy downs? Was there other stuff built into that? Right. And that's why it's really important to know what what an appraiser actually looks at and not just what they've been told by their broker or that type of thing. So right. I, I think that's crucial to yeah. know how lenders and and attorney or uh, appraisers are actually doing the evaluation. The yeah. yeah. And I think that's it's gonna be important over the next couple of years to be able to do that. So um so yeah, those are those are a few of the things that we that we offer. Um we uh, again we we cover from from northern Utah all the way to Phoenix and in Las Vegas area and and uh in, in the next 12 months, we're going to be opening up at a Boise branch as oh. well. So we'll be up in Idaho as well. So that's we'll, awesome. We'll cover basically the whole Intermountain West. So. And his information is right at the bottom of the screen there. You'll see his information if you ever want to reach out to Carl, R1 Appraisals. Really appreciate you coming by. Thank you, Ryan. Um, this, is, this has been a pleasure. I'll do this anytime. I love I love this. This is great. So you, uh, uh, thank you for, for the invitation sure. today. No, this is awesome. We'll get this uh, posted as quickly as we can. And uh, ask any comments, questions down below. We'll get to your questions. Please subscribe to the channel. Like and share all that fun stuff with YouTube. But really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, Carl, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys.